Welcome to Life on Planet Earth with John Aiden Byrne. Yes, I'm on the uh, World Pizza Champions team, which is about 35 individuals across the country. We travel all over to uh, Italy, London, all over the world, really, and across the country. My guest is Nick Bogash. He's the founder and president of a growing empire, Caliente Pizza and Draft House, with five locations in Pittsburgh and some 200 employees. Nick is the modern personification of the American dream. He skipped college, worked multiple jobs and long hours, was financially prudent, once calling himself the king of the $500 car. He has a ton of accolades, including the Best Pizza in America Award, and he's a member of the World Pizza Team. A voyage of discovery in an uncommon age of unparalleled scientific, economic, political, and social upheaval, life on planet Earth searches for the unvarnished truth, answers, solutions, and above all, hope for our existential crisis. Nick Bogash, my guest coming up, hosts the Business Equation podcast. He'll talk to me about family and heritage, the American dream, and his famous book, The Pizza Equation. I'm your host, John Aiden Byrne. By writing the book, I definitely catapulted to becoming an industry leader. Sherlock, it's grand to have you back. Text and whatever. Just don't text and drive. Visit StopTextsStopRex.org. A message from the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. Well, hope your new year is off to a terrific start and you're not letting all the political distractions spoil your week and fun and the start of a new year. Let's pray for healing and unity in America God knows we need it. Like us on Facebook, Hope on Earth. Follow us on Twitter, Life on Planet Earth. And happy to announce we'll soon be available with audio-visual interviews on YouTube, on our YouTube channel, Life on Planet Earth. Keep a watch out for my first interview on this channel with Jim Toes. He's the president and CEO of an important Wall Street trade group the Security Traders Association of America. And of course, you'll still be able to listen in on us and to hear us on your favorite platforms from Google and Apple to Spotify and more. Good stuff. My guest is Nick Bogash, founder and president of Caliente Pizza and Draft House with five locations in Pittsburgh and growing. Nick is a celebrity in the business, and his business was named the Top 25 Independent Pizzerias in the U.S. I'm your host, John Aiden Byrne. Nick, welcome to my show. Hope you are enjoying the holiday season. Happy New Year. What has it been like over Christmas and the New Year? It must be a very busy time for you. It's a very busy time. It's also a time of uh, self-reflection. I like to take this time, and um, I do every month. I look back at you know the the month, but you know at the end of the year, it's nice to look back and see 
how far you've come. And uh, this is definitely a different year to look back in, in 2020. There's been a lot of adversity, but, um, you know, we had a lot of great progress in, in 2020. And um, the holiday season looked a lot different. Christmas was a lot smaller, but um, it also just kind of was, was special. And I, I think that, you know, looking forward to the new year. So how did you get through this horrible COVID-19 pandemic? I mean, every entrepreneur, and you're a successful small business owner in the pizza space, you're also a very successful author. You're a media personality. You've won numerous awards internationally. And you're a celebrity in your hometown. Pittsburgh's your hometown. And you're growing in recognition throughout the United States. How did you get through the year? Well, I really went back to the basics, if that makes sense. Back to my basics. You know, when this first started uh, back in March, I just went back to my roots. A lot of, um, I went back to things, my favorite programs that I listened to over the years is um, according to mindset. And then I went back to reading my favorite books again. And I just dug into what made me successful in the first place. And then in my business, I worked as hard as I worked in the very beginning, because I think that's sometimes what happens is you, you get comfortable after time passes. And, you know, it was uh, eight years since my my business actually started and I was in a different mode. I was in more of a, um, you know, building, finding spaces and building. I wasn't necessarily um working in my business and, and working on the, the details of the marketing and the messaging and the branding because I have people that do that for me. But when this happened, I went back to the very beginning and I just started working on what can uh, impact us right now. What, what message do we need to put out there? For us in the restaurant space, it was important to get out there the no contact delivery, the uh, curbside pickup. We put gift card programs out there trying to get some extra cash flow coming in. So it was those type of things that um, I really got focused on in the in the very beginning of COVID. But like I said, what really I think made a difference for me was I knew it was going to be a tough time and I knew it wasn't going to be just, you know, 30 days of quarantine and then we go back to a happy life like, like we were all living before um, March. I prepared for, you know, the, the journey of what this was going to be. And I just went back to reading the books and watching the programs that I knew kind of shaped it, um, my success um, overall. Well, you've had a great run so far and 2020 has been an interruption for a lot of businesses. Your revenues have been, what's the number I read? Right around, you know, anywhere between, we do somewhere between eight and 10 million a year in uh, pizza sales. Uh, pizza, I, I should say we have a full service restaurant. You know, it's not just pick up and delivery pizza. We have 150 seats in five different restaurants in the Pittsburgh area. Uh, 24 taps on selection from all over the world, different beers. And um, that's kind of what we focus on is the experience of family and the experience of um, the beer enthusiasts. We, we really cater to the beer enthusiasts as well. Yeah, I guess my question is, did COVID crimp your revenues and bottom line last year? For, for sure, John, it, it really did. Because what we saw was, of course, we really haven't been able to sell that much alcohol because we haven't had uh, seating. We didn't have seating here in Pittsburgh from March all the way till September. And then we had 50% capacity from the middle of September till about three weeks ago. And then they we're currently closed uh, right now again for dine-in. So our 
um, liquor sales have have went to almost zero, and you know that's a big prof- profitable part of the business, and that's where we see a lot of money from from selling liquor and, and beer goes to the bottom line. So we definitely lost that that part of the the revenue, and then we have sold um, a good bit of, of food. We we started off. It's funny, you know, in the pizza business, um, we're geared for pickup and delivery. So at the beginning of the pandemic, we were actually in a much better spot than most restaurants. And I think people were looking for, I like to say, a slice of normalcy at that point. So pizza did really well. But then when we got into July and August, uh, people were really looking to go for the outdoor seating for the restaurants. And we really are not set up for outdoor seating. So we took a big hit in July and August and September as far as revenue. That's when we really felt the pandemic. So we actually didn't feel it right away, um, but we really felt it, um, you know, in the in the revenue and in, in the profits in in uh, Q3 is really where we, we felt it the most. Well, of course, you had to follow the local mandates and ordinances according to City Hall. Same throughout the country. New York City had a severe experience of that. Restaurants shut, there was takeout. Actually, what happened, many businesses in New York City have failed and won't come back. What's your attitude to these random lockdowns? Were they done properly? You know, I I think in the beginning, I got asked that question probably like in April or May. And I really, what I said then was, is it'll be hard to judge for maybe it'll be five or 10 years till you really know, you know, you look back and know how serious the pandemic really is or wasn't. And I, I think it, you know, you elect the officials and you hope to believe in them and let them determine, um, you know, how things, how things work. And you try to try to believe that they know better than you do because they're listening to people who, who know better than, than they even they do, you know, the, the scientists or whoever it may be. But then as this goes on, um, that was April, that was kind of my candid response. And then as this goes on, it makes you wonder because you see, you know, states, we're here in Pittsburgh, Cleveland's only two hours away and, you know, two hours away or even the border is only an hour away to Ohio. And then in, you drive an hour and you can um, sit down in a restaurant, but here you can't sit down in a restaurant, you know, and I don't know. I mean, it, it makes you wonder if there's politics involved or not. Um, I I don't know. You know, that, that's kind of where I'm at. Like, and for us, we were 50% capacity. And then three weeks before Christmas, I had to go to all my bartenders and servers, which is well over 60 employees I have about 200 total. We have about 60 bartenders and servers. And I had to tell them that um, they need they could go on unemployment for the rest of the year because our dining rooms were closed. Like three weeks before Christmas, they, they shut it down and it hurt all the bartenders and servers. Like I just, I question that, you know, like um, just because, like I said, the, the other states aren't, aren't doing it. And it in the beginning, they seemed like they picked, they did it county by county and it made a little bit more sense. Uh, we are in a populated county, so maybe we would have fit into that anyway. But I don't know. It's just it's just hard when it, you're playing with people's lives. And back in April, May, they were given the ec- extra six hundred dollars a week if you're on unemployment. So I think uh, bartenders and servers were were better off then. And you know, three weeks before Christmas, they they couldn't even f- they filed for unemployment. But they were many of my employees. I just uh, saw a bunch on Monday when I was floating through the stores and. They still haven't even received their unemployment for the last three weeks because 
the unemployment's offices are so backed up. So I don't know. You know, it's hard to judge. You know, people are saying we're on the tail end of the pandemic and the vaccines coming out. I just I don't know. It's really it's really hard to judge what what's right and what's wrong with with the way everything's been handled. Well, you know, some people have said the cure is worse than the cause. And as you said, we may not know for a long time, for another 10 years when the history books are written and various studies are done, did we overreact? Did we underreact? Was it politicized? One thing for sure, it has been extremely costly economically. We look at the uh, federal debt, the issuance of money from the Fed, the toll on people's mental health kids in isolation away from school, loneliness that it has created, and the fact that many, many businesses will never come back. So you do wonder. That is not to underestimate or to be cruel about protecting people's health. That is a priority, mask wearing, taking all the necessary precautions. But you do wonder, did we go too far in this? Yeah, it, it does make you wonder. And I think you're right. You know, the history books will, will tell more of the, the truth of did we overreact or underreact? And you're right. There's a lot of different things. Like my son's a, a high school and senior. And, you know, like any 17 or 18 year old boy, they don't particularly love school. You, you know, like they're at the end now. But for him, um, he he's I've heard out of his mouth that rather than this online school and he'd rather go back to school like he hates the online school. It's it's um you know he feels like he's not learning there it's it's been very very tough for him i think um you know it's not just my child many students are having a very difficult time transitioning to online and then the parents that are trying to to work and then teach their their younger elementary school or middle school kids um through online learning where they have to do a part like i can't even imagine that and then you know my my Mother's um, in her early 70s and lives alone. And, and I think you're right about the loneliness part. You know, there's times where we were making sure that we were, you know, doing nice things like going to dinner or having her over for dinner once a week, or maybe we were going over there. But then, you know, you get to a certain point where you watch the, the news and it's like we're scared even to go over and uh, have a dinner with her. So, I mean, it, it's been it's been tough beyond the businesses. But then when you see the effects of, of small businesses, how bad they've been hurt. And, you know, restaurants definitely are, are at the forefront, but you've also got the gyms and the hair salons and then anything with that has to do with event planning. I mean, it's just been um, it's just been a really hard sled for, for small business owners. In many ways, it has been an amazing past 12 months and the conspiracy theories are swirling all over when you start talking about politics and so on. You could have a separate show on that that this was planned. But I think most people agree now that it was it came from China. I've heard, I've spoken to a lot of medical experts, professors, political analysts. It did emanate from China. Why it escaped from China, that's another day's work. But yep. um, yeah, I can identify with your son. I also have a son who is in college and all his classes are online and he thinks that, you know, sucks. He wants to be in college on campus with his uh, colleagues and talking to his professors or having a social life. Humans are social beings. That's ultimately what it's about. And that's what your business is about. 
Caliente Pizza and Draft House, which you opened in 2012. And it's a roaring success. But I got to ask you, uh, Nick, what is a, a Polish American doing in the pizza space? Well, you know, you know, I think it was just uh, one of those things that I always say that you know I'm just uh, I'm American. That's the way that's the way I look at it. You know, um, I I think I, I'm proud of my ancestry for sure. Uh, my my grandfather on my dad's side would sing us Polish songs when we were little and on his lap. Um, so you know, I I definitely uh, would like to one time in my lifetime go to Poland. I think that would be neat to go back to uh, my homeland. But I think I definitely have grew up uh, American kid. You know, I, I mean, I really did. Um, Fourth of July's and apple pies and pizza and all that stuff. And and I love hot dogs and, and just uh, baseball and, and football. Just an American kid. I grew up with a, a middle class life. My dad was a, a salesman for all his life. Uh, my mother was a stay at home mom. We had a, a, a pretty typical suburban uh, lifestyle, I would say, an upbringing. And I had three brothers and um, we, you know, my older brother was about seven years older than me. So when he went to college at 18, I was uh, myself at, you know, 13 with two younger brothers who, who were nine and, and seven. And I was their, their coach for all their sports because I was a skinny bean pole, which translates to coach. So I was the volunteer for their floor hockey team or, or their soccer team or, um, you know, the third base coach for their, for their baseball team. And I developed a, a passion for, for leading a team at a very young age. And I didn't even realize it then. And then as far as like the entrepreneurial side of it, I cut grass and um, flip baseball cards at, at flea markets and, you know, um, all these different things. And I, I actually, you know, on top of flipping the baseball cards, I, I had a show for all the baseball card vendors. I ran out of hall and put on a show where vendors could come in and sell baseball cards. Um, so it was all kind of different things that I didn't even realize I was, I was just being young. I didn't realize what I was doing, but when I started delivering pizzas, the reason was, is I was working at a car wash and I was making um, tips at 17 years old. And I was at the lunch table at school. And my friend said to me, man, I'm making way more tips delivering pizzas. And I said, well, I got to check this delivering pizza thing out. And I started at 17 and I just fell in love with it. Uh, it's such a team sport, the pizza business of somebody answers the phone or takes the order. And then they somebody pulls out and stretches the dough and then they put the sauce on it, the cheese. It goes in the oven. Then you hand it to a delivery driver to take it to the, the final step home to, to somebody's door. And then when they open the door up, it's, I love the pizza guy, pizza, pizza. Everybody's happy to see you. And I just fell in love with it. And then I wrecked a bunch of cars and ended up inside making pizzas. That's that's a very uh, short story of what happened. But um, And then I just loved being inside. And, um, you know, I had children young and uh, got married young. And and we just, um, we, we raised our family working at, you know, different pizza places and big guys, Papa John's, Domino's. And I just worked my way up the ranks. And then, um, you know, Long story short, when I saw my my chance, I, I went ahead and take it or took it. But at the same time, I um, was working about five jobs right before I took my took my uh, shot to open my own business. I was actually delivering pizzas for uh, three different shops. So uh, you know, I was back to delivering pizzas. I was a mailman um, full time at the post office, 
And I also was counting money at the uh, old Civic Arena where the Pittsburgh Penguins play. So I was working five jobs, 90, 100 hours a week, uh, supporting my family. My, my wife was a stay-at-home mother at the time with our two young kids. And um, I finally just knew that I, I needed to do it. If I was going to do pizza forever, I needed to do it for myself. And um, and that that's where the opportunity came. It's an extraordinary story, and your work ethic is so impressive. I'd like to talk a little bit about that. You're right, Nick. We're all Americans. I'm an American. My family are American. I love this country. My heritage is Ireland. Uh, I grew up in Ireland. I still hold an Irish citizenship, but I'm a, a U.S. citizen. So I fly, I fly the U.S. flag. That's important. But we can be proud of our heritage and we can celebrate Polish independence or St. Patrick's Day. And all that is very important. It's good to recognize where we've come from and where we're at now, because let's face it, America is the land of opportunity. Yeah, it is. And I think, um, you know, it's, it's funny that I guess maybe I don't think about it as much, but it, it's funny when you, you talk about it. But, you know, um, definitely being Polish, like we in that time growing up, like in the late 80s, you, you definitely heard, you know, the Pulak jokes and uh, stuff like that. And as a young kid, I guess some of that stips, sticks with you that, you know, you get conditioned that you're stupid or whatever it may be. But I think that's the part of life that's really interesting is that when you look back at maybe what conditioned yourself and then you just start to kind of unpeel the onion and really figure out who you are and become self-aware and really self-love yourself. I think that's when you something really special starts to happen inside yourself. So I, I think it, it's important to never forget where you came from and where your roots and ancestry came from. But it, it it's, you know, it's, it's funny when you look back and, and see like how how you progress as a as a human and really where you've come in into age i guess to protect her home and family in a disaster karen was willing to wade through water mud and insurance paperwork yeah i can do this you go karen by simply understanding and updating what her insurance covers and doesn't cover now she'll be better prepared no matter when disaster strikes learn other simple ways to protect your home and family before a natural disaster at ready.gov that's ready.gov a message from fema and the ad council my guest is nick bogash founder and president of caliente pizza and draft house with five locations in Pittsburgh. We're talking about family and heritage and the American dream and Nick's own very successful business. I'm your host, John Aiden Byrne. Yeah, I, I guess the lesson also is to embrace the realities all around you. Love, build, preserve and defend this country and don't become isolated in your thinking or parochial while at the same time recognizing your beautiful heritage. And, you know, you say sometimes when you have family gatherings, that's where all of those stories come out, I find anyway, in my later life, you know, where you're maybe with cousins or aunts and uncles or grandparents or whatever, you know, you, you start sharing stories and you just would hope there was somebody taking notes at the time talking about Aunt Millie or Aunt Nora or whatever. Oh, do you remember when she was at that wedding and she arrived here in this country? Those moments only last maybe for an hour or two until the next one. And then we go into this great, wonderful mosaic that's called the United States of America. Yeah, no, I totally agree. And I, I think that's, you know, and, and as I guess what we see too is, 
as I get older and a lot of our, you know, older family that, that has the roots to, um, to Poland, when, when they pass away, it becomes different too, because you don't get the, the stories are hand-me-down stories and they're not coming right from somebody that may have, um, you know, realized when somebody came to America or, or actually when they came to America. So it's, you know, as we shift to be in so many different generations of, um, of citizens, it's, it's different too, but I think you're right. Like, um, I don't, I guess I do think of it from time to time, you know, my roots. Um, I just think that it's, it's important that you don't forget. I know in, in school, um, I guess I probably was in about fourth or sixth grade. I had to do a report and you could pick uh, any country. And of course, you know, I picked Poland and it was fun to, um, to learn at that time from my grandparents and ask them questions. And they would tell us about, you know, their grandfather that, um, was a great organist in Poland in the capital for this church or that church. And it was just interesting to be able to hear uh, the ancestry. I've always found that if you peel away the layers, every person on this planet, every family has a great story. But I want to talk uh, about your story today a little bit more. So you opened Kelly Ente Pizza and Draft House in 2012. And as I said, it's been a roaring success. You also wrote a book that's gotten you a lot of media attention. Tell us about the book. Sure. So my book is uh, The Pizza Equation. I, I wrote it in early, uh, two, well, I wrote it in 2017 and 18. I brought it to, uh, published it. Self-published it on Amazon in 2019, um, early part of 2019. And you're right, I had a great success with it. At that time, I was definitely known in our industry, um, but but I wasn't well-known. And by writing the book, I definitely catapulted it to becoming an industry leader. Um, I would suggest to anybody listening, if they've ever wondered about writing a book in their industry, um, it's worth the time and investment because it puts you in a different light rather than having a business card. Now you have a book to hand out. And I did something I think that was smart when, when you talk about, you know, how are people going to know about your book? You can go ahead and promote it on Facebook or Twitter, wherever it may be. But what I actually did was I sent copies of the book to um, at least a hundred people in the pizza industry, you know, that, that were, um, either friends of mine or people that I haven't met yet. I just sent them the book. I wrote a really nice part on the on the inside page and, and hand signed it, and I I sent them my book. And by doing that, you know they they were very thankful. They posted it on social media that I had sent them the book. Um, that helped uh, other people see that there was a book out there. And I also sent a big stack of books to the the two big industry trade show or trade shows and magazines publications in our industry. I sent one for every found out how many staff members they had. And I sent them a box of say 22 or 24 books. And um, from that, I ended up with a keynote speech at one of the big uh, expos throughout the year. And I took total advantage of uh, being able to be a keynote speaker. I had about nine months to prepare. I read a few books um, I always felt comfortable in public speaking. I had actually taken um, the Dale Carnegie speaking class twice um, in that time. I, like I mentioned, I read a, a few speaking books and um, I wrote the keynote out. I, I had the slideshow, memorized it, and I just uh, put on a great performance that really uh, elevated me to the, the top of the industry. And by doing all that, 
I realized that um, there was a little bit more that I thought that I could I could give back in in this whole thing. You know, I was getting a ton of questions from everybody in my industry, and I was able to you know uh, connect with many different people on different uh, direct messages and stuff like that. And I thought I have so many ideas and and tips and tactics and strategies that I've used to build my business from you know, $400,000 single location to a $10 million five unit location. And really it took about five and a half years. And I thought I can help small businesses. You know, that's, that was not just the pizza industry. That was my thought. So I started a podcast called the business equation and I brought on a lot of great guests, yourself included, John. Yeah. And we, we've had, um, we've had some tremendous conversations with a lot of people and a lot of different, um, at different parts of, of the business world. And I think that's what I'm, I'm trying to do now is really uh, be able to give back to the small business community. And the year we had is a perfect year to, to start and give back. You know, I'm about 75 shows into the podcast. I've had a lot of success. Um, I have gotten a lot of different um, media uh requests and i've been a lot of different places talking about the podcast so i've had a lot of success with it and then on on top of that um you know the next book i write is going to be a small business focused uh book and i talk a lot about mindset on the on the um podcast and i think that's that's a lot of what's made me successful i really believe that the the mindset the way that you think as a business owner is extremely important and everybody has things that creep into their mind that that are negative and self-doubt. I really believe it's having those affirmations to to realize that when you're starting to think a, a way that isn't right and something creeps into your mind to be able to have a positive affirmation to, to feed it right away um, rather than buying into it. If I something creeps into my mind, I said, no, I, I live a life of a, abundance and and, um, you know, great business person and money flows easily and fast to me. And, you know, and that gets away those negative thoughts. And I think that's where, um, you know, I've really tried to just position myself to where I can keep building um, my business, my podcast, my personal brand. But I, I do it all because I really feel like there's a lot of people out there that are maybe probably younger than me. You know, I'm 42. I feel like in my 20s and 30s, I, I always look for somebody to, to look up to that, that, that's done it. And a lot of times um, when you look into these people that have done um, massive businesses or they've done um, a lot of like the Internet focused things and the affiliate marketing and that, you know, it's hard to find that small business person that's done a brick and mortar and been really successful and, and then wants to uh, be basically be an open book and and help other small business owners and that's the the role that I'm trying to to fit you know be that uh, that light for those younger entrepreneurs that are getting into that space a lot of successful people would be loath to share their recipe for success you know I think what it is is you know I'm not worried about monetizing it right now to, to be honest I, I'm just not um you know I, I believe that that you got to give to receive. And when you hear that, a lot of times people believe that that's money that you have to give. And to a certain point it is, but to a certain point it, it's time, it's knowledge. It's, um, you know, everything that you, you can give and it's a different entrepreneurs. You know, I, I on my podcast, I, I have young guys that have reached out to me in their early twenties and say, Hey, can I uh, give you a call? And I mean, 
yeah, I'll be on a call for 20 minutes or two hours as long as as much as they any question they want to ask me. Like, I feel like that's a, a good way to give, you know, and um, same with the pizza industry. There's, you know, many there's been guys that call me up and said, hey, Nick, I um, read your book or I, I saw you at a seminar and, um, you know, we're going to open up a, a pizza shop here. And we were in Tampa. We're in the coffee business. We want to open up a pizza shop. Um, can we come up and you can show us around at your shop. So yeah, come on up, call me, you know, and then they called three weeks later. Hey, um, you know, we're coming up on a, a Sunday. I said, sure, I'll, I'll pick you up at the hotel. We'll drive to all five stores. I'll walk you through them all. Ask me any questions. And, um, yeah, I don't need anything for it. I'm just giving back. And, and I think when you do things like those, um, you know, great things happen. It creates good karma and it spreads the joy. It also embellishes in a very good way, your reputation, and may open up doors for you when you need them. So the name of your book is The Pizza Equation? Yes, the name of my book is The Pizza Equation. It's available on Amazon. And the name of my podcast is The Business Equation, and a new episode drops every Monday. You also have a whole bunch of accolades. You're the world pizza champion. Yes, I'm on the uh, world pizza champions team, which is about 35 individuals across the country we travel all over to uh, Italy, London, um, all over the world, really, and across the country. Uh, the biggest competition in, in the United States is Las Vegas. We go to the World Pizza Expo every year there. My chef that works for me has won the, uh, won the best pizza in America uh, 2016 and 2018. In 2017, one of my uh, pizza chefs won the world's largest pizza stretch for stretching a dough ball. And then in 2019, when my chef and I traveled to Italy, he won the best American pizza in Parma, Italy. And uh, those pizzas are all on the menu at uh, Caliente. Wow. I can't wait to visit and uh, bring my family, Nick. You have places all over Pittsburgh. Do you plan to expand outside the region? We, we do. And, and that's where COVID came into effect. We, um, you know, we got hit here in Western Pennsylvania about March 15th. Um, we were actually due to open a brand new restaurant in the middle of April and COVID completely crushed that. There was no way that I could uh, comprehend open up a 7,000 square foot restaurant in the middle of COVID. So we actually killed that deal. So I'm just kind of patiently waiting around um, in the sense that there's going to be a lot of, unfortunately, there's going to be a lot of good deals on closed restaurants when we come out of this. Uh, my thought is we're building up our mid-level managers. We're training them to, to be upper-level managers at the time. We're uh, making our procedures stronger. Uh, that's what we're focused on. Focus on really understanding how to run our costs. And we're taking advantage of the time that we have during COVID. And then when we come out of it, we're going to uh, definitely look for some great deals and, and expand. You sound like a really bright, intelligent guy. Was there college in your life? There was no college in my life, actually. Um, you, you know, I guess I never really um, did that well in studies at school, to, to be honest. I think it was um, maybe I don't really know why. Like even now, looking back, I, I think it just was is I learn a different way. And I, I think um, that's that's really what it is. I you know, I had classes where early in like third grade, I would go for like learning disability classes and, but they could never really say what I had. Was it ADHD? Was it um, 
dyslexia. Like nobody really could could pinpoint me to to what uh, what my learning disabilities were. You know, I think later in life I realized that what really I think the way I learn is I I learn over time. Like I definitely learn from doing things, but I learned a second time through really well. So if I read a book and I like it, I'll definitely read it a second time because that's when I pick things up. Um, you know, and I think I think it's just a matter of knowing yourself and knowing your strengths and your weaknesses. And college just wasn't wasn't for me. Um, you know, but both my kids are gonna my one my daughter's in college second year this year. My son's uh, signed up to go next year. So, you know, I push my kids to, to go to college. Um, it just, it didn't work out for me. And, and I just, I worked really extremely hard in my, in my, um, twenties to be able to make up for lost time of not going to college. And then I think the other part was really interesting is when I was running a Papa John's in my late twenties, it was, uh, right there with the university of Pitt. And I had a lot of college students and they would need off every weekend. And I would say, well, what do you need off for? And they said, well, I have a report due and I need to read this. And uh, that's that's what I, you know, I've got to read this book and read that book. And I realized to myself that I think that's what college is. You know, that was my opinion back then. That college is a, a lot of reading. Mm. So I never really read a lot at that point, like up until that point. But then I started reading like crazy. If I wanted to learn how to negotiate, I'd read six months worth of negotiating books. And if I wanted to learn about, you know, self-awareness, I'd read every uh, self-help book there was for the next six months. And if I wanted to learn about uh, business plans, I'd read business plans for, for six months. And I think that's really where a lot of um, a lot of what shaped me. And then what happened was, is as I was doing all this reading, I kept coming across, you know how sometimes John in a book, it'll, it'll say like it mentions another book. And I kept getting the mentions of Think and Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill. So after about the sixth or seventh time of seeing that book get mentioned in another book, I read that book. And that's where everything came together and changed for me. So you are a visionary in my estimation, and you're self-educated. You've mastered things in a short space of time that others will never dare do or maybe have the ability to do. But you know, Nick, you actually achieved one thing that many young people won't do. You don't have any student debt. Mm. Yeah, I guess that is a good point for sure. Yeah, you know, and it's funny. I was actually like um, almost like I, I guess you could say a Dave Ramsey disciple, you know, if you know Dave Ramsey. I love his show, by the way. Yes. I think his yes. economic principles are beautiful, but they are on radio late at night in certain key markets. Because Wall Street, I actually believe, doesn't like Dave Ramsey too much. Yeah, I can believe that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And I think, you know, for a long time, like I, um, you know, eventually I never had a, a car payment till I was 36 years old. And when I got one at 36, it was honestly more because it was uh, good for the business to have a tax write-off. Um, but but um, it was a different way of thinking. But man, I, you know, I was like the king of $500 cars. I mean, the absolute king. And, uh, you know, it's just funny when you look back and see where you came from and the way that you, you, you made it. And I think what's really interesting in Caliente is in the beginning, I thought it was real simple to judge my success. It would be when I could buy a car in this century, when I could move to a little bit bigger house, and when I knew how I was going to pay for my kids' college because they were 12 and 10 at the time. And then what happened was after the first Caliente and the first year, I realized I was going to be able to achieve all that. 
and I had to ask myself, well, is that really how I'm going to judge my success? And what does it really mean for me to be successful? And I realized that what it is, is it's when my employees, the people who work for me can do those things for their families, then I'll be successful. So I really never had to open a second store, third store, all the way to the fifth, or even think about expansion for me personally, but to create these career opportunities for people that work for me, that that's why we keep going. What is special about your pizza? Describe that to me. So our pizza, um, you know, it's funny working for Papa John's and Domino's. It wasn't like one of those guys. And when I opened my own restaurant that I had all these recipes because, you know, a lot of those Domino's and Papa John's, their stuff comes in bags, their sauce comes in cans pre-mixed. So it's not like I've got this great recipe. Um, what it was is I knew what a great pizza tasted like. You know, I love pizza. So for, for years and years, um, anywhere we would go, I would, I would eat pizza, and I just knew what a good pizza tasted like. So in the beginning, I went to um, down to the Strip District here in, in, in um, Pittsburgh, which is like a little Italian market. And I found a little old Italian guy and he told me I'm not going to be cheap, but I've got the best. Uh, I can point you towards the best tomatoes and the best for the best sauce and show you the best high gluten flour to use and stuff like that. But it's not going to be cheap. And, you know, I mean, I had like no money in my pocket when we bought the first store. It was all on a handshake. And I said, yeah, I want the best of everything. So step one, we use the best ingredients. And then, you know, I'm never afraid to ask what I don't know. And I had a really good friend who was a fine, uh, fine dining white tablecloth chef. And I would ask him, okay, here's my recipe. Um, How do I put it into the mixer for the dough? He would say, put it in this order because he knew baking really well. And then, you know, we'd work on, uh, he'd help me with different recipes. And and a lot of it was off of taste. Uh, with, with my family and have them down in the beginning and we taste everything. Oh, I don't like this sauce. Maybe a third sauce. Yeah, this is great. And we did that for the sauce, the cheese, the dough. And then if you fast forward about three years, when I went to the first pizza expo in Las Vegas, I was like a little kid in a candy shop and I took three of my guys with me and I saw these competitions that were just culinary based and, and they were making some of these great pizzas. And I said to myself, I'm not one of those guys that's, that's not my forte. I'm a operations. I'm a leader. Um, I really, the culinary side wasn't my, my strong point, but I was like, I know somebody who could win these competitions. It was my friend that was the white tablecloth chef. So I went back to him, had him and his family over for dinner, which was not unusual because I'm the godfather of one of his children. And when I told him I wanted him to join Caliente and make pizzas, he looked at me like I was crazy. <laughs> and he said, pizza, he said, I'm a, I'm a fine chef here you know what i mean he makes the best lamb chops of your life like he is a great chef okay. classically trained french trained i mean fantastic and i i told him i said look um you know you've been there seven years this you know i said um i i they, they're what they're paying you you know i i can match it and i said um you know can i pay you what what you're worth i said no but they're not paying you what you're worth either i said but when you come with me over time I could pay you what you're worth as we build more stores. And, you know, and, and um, it took a, took him about a week. He called me, he said he was in, he gave a three month notice to his um, restaurant. If that gives you an idea what type of guy he is. And um, he joined me. I gave him a list, list of goals. A lot of them were, you know, different ones like create inventories, help with the different recipes, help with uh, procedures of how we make the food. But one of them was to go to the pizza expo and win the world championship. I mean, who writes that down? But I believe in the power of the pen. I believe in goals. 
And uh, 10 months later, when we went to the Pizza Expo, um, he won the best pan pizza in the world with a duck pizza. Wow. That's extraordinary. We're going to wrap up with a few quick questions. What does it take, Nick, to be a successful businessman? Do you have to be hard-nosed? I don't necessarily think you have to be hard-nosed. I think you have to listen. Um, that, that's a lot of it. you got to be a communicator, and that's what's important. And what's nice in 2020 is there's a lot of different ways to communicate. You know, I found that as we grew an operation that had 10 people, where you know what guys even have for breakfast, to an operation of 200 people where sometimes you don't know people's names, how do you stay connected? And in 2020, there's great apps out there, um, WhatsApp app, GroupMe apps that you can put your whole team on and communicate. And we facilitate a lot of meetings. So I think it really comes down to being a strong communicator is, is one of the, the uh, traits that you need. Well, you've proven you're a good communicator, but you're media savvy, your podcast, your TV appearances, Fox winning the world pizza champion accolades. What's your long-term goal if you're looking forward 20 years? Where do you see yourself at with this growing empire already? You know, I I always tell my wife, I want to retire to a life of leisure and eccentric pursuits. (laughs) So so that's it, John. Like, uh, yeah, that's my overall overall goal okay well we'll have you back to talk about the eccentric pursuits at another time nick in the meantime blessings to you and your family happy new year i'm delighted everything's going so well thank you john thanks for having me so much i really appreciate it you've been listening to life on planet earth with john aiden Byrne. to reach the host or learn about advertising or sponsorship opportunities call 973-664- 9460 in the US or email burndesk at gmail.com. That's 973 664 9460 in the US or email burndesk at gmail.com. 973 664 9460 in the US or email burndesk at gmail.com.